On today's episode of the Total Soccer Show, I'm going to be talking to Lutz Fannenstiel, director of sport at Fortuna Dusseldorf, and for folks in the United States watching the Bundesliga on Fox, he's a voice you'll hear doing color commentary. Uh, we talk about his fascinating playing career, his philosophy when it comes to scouting players, especially American players. He goes deep on bringing in Zach Steffen and how they ended up getting him on loan. We also get into Lutz's plans for the future. But first, uh, in a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure, cancer unfortunately does not stop even during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, the Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie. Uh, it will be to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Again, a lot of steps, but a worthy cause. Uh, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, on your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. One more time, that's lls.org slash bigclimb. Everybody and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and Daryl Grove is not with me today because in his place, we have a man, a myth, and a legend all at once. He's a storied goalkeeper, a television pundit, and the managing director of sport at Fortuna Dusseldorf. It's Lutz Fennenstiel. Lutz, welcome to the show, and thank you very much for being here. You're more than welcome. I'm glad to be here. Uh, so as I said in the intro, some people might be uh, familiar with your work from TV. You've been uh, on Bundesliga games on Fox. We met you in Germany. Uh, Daryl and I did when you came in to talk to assembled journalists about Fortuna. But there are probably some people uh, who don't know you that well out there. So I have a quiz for you. Uh, I'm going to give you five facts about your life. Uh, you have to tell our listeners which one of them is not true. So we have five facts here. Uh, we have you once stole a penguin. That's the first one. You played against the Richmond Kickers, which is my hometown, uh, hometown club, that is. Uh, you were once a model for Armani. You were, uh, your first professional club was in Malaysia, uh, or you were jailed in Singapore. Which of those is not true? Um, I think I didn't play against the Richmond Kickers, but they were um, in the same league, but in a different conference. Oh, I'm sad you didn't get to play for the, against the kickers, but all, everything else, totally true? <laughs> everything else is definitely true. And maybe even I played against the Richmond kickers, but I need to check that out now. <laughs> um, so you do, you do tend to have a, a lot of stories about you. you I, I feel like you have a sort of most interesting man in the world uh, vibe to you. I did want to ask about some of those like past moments before we talk more about like the present situation. Um, and I did want to ask about the penguin. Did you really? Did you really abscond with a penguin? Is that a true story? I didn't steal the penguin. I think I, I borrowed him for a little bit, um, you know. And I have to uh, go a little bit out of that because I really I'm like a big animal lover. I think there's not many people who love animals as much as I do. And I, I had really strange pets because I sometimes rescued them. Like I had two monkeys uh, in Asia and. Yeah, like uh, iguana, whatever you. I just basically rescue everything. So if you let three homeless dogs run past me, they probably sit three hours later on my couch <laughs> and running a show. Uh, so uh, yeah, when I was playing in New Zealand uh, in a place called Dunedin, which is very deep south, there is like a, a very big penguin colony, and I was just impressed about how many penguins are running around there. So I did. Uh, 
thought about it about maybe having a pet penguin and I borrowed one for a few hours but I realized quite quickly that it's not that kind of animal you should have at home so I brought him back healthy and happy and everything was fine but yeah I had a uh, an encounter with a penguin for sure and uh, prior to that, you 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 played in Malaysia. Was was the club in Malaysia your first professional team, or had you gone pro in Germany prior to that moment? Well, I mean, I was in a, in a way uh, I was playing the youth at, at Bayern, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, you know it was still obviously like like youth team, and, and then I decided to go to like a, a semi pro team, which was by then the the third highest league in Germany. The less changed, where we also were pro when it comes to the payment, but and also to the to the training. Effort, so we were like full time, but it was more considered that some other clubs were not 100% pro. And because of my, uh, like, probably at that time, quite cocky attitude, I was a national, the 17 national goalkeeper, I was in the squad of the other 90 and the 20 national team. Uh, for me, it was clear the first contract I signed as, a, as an adult needs to be a proper pro contract. And when uh, by really came along and offered me like a, like a, like an amateur contract. I decided I didn't like that word amateur. It sounded just very bad to me. Uh, so I said, well, whatever professional club comes around the corner first, I will go for it. And a man a word, uh, it was a club from Malaysia. So I, I really took it without even knowing what. Mal- I knew nothing about Malaysia. I only knew it's in Asia and it's quite warm and I didn't really know much about it. But I just went there, and I played, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, and the rest is history. So you played there. You end up playing for 27 different clubs. You are the first player to play uh, for a club in all six of the different FIFA confederations. Uh, one of those clubs was in Singapore, which obviously led to the match-fixing scandal. You were eventually cleared. You probably always should have been cleared. Uh, but it goes from you modeling Armani, as I said, to being sentenced to time in a Singapore prison, which I have to imagine was an incredibly frightening experience, to put it very, very lightly. I was hoping you could tell us a bit about what happened and how that situation came to be. No, it was one of definitely the hardest time of my life, uh, especially you know when you're locked up with with murderers, uh, people who are on death row, uh, and you literally done absolutely nothing. I didn't know every morning why exactly I was there, because the allegations against me, uh, if, if a judge tells you on three uh, accounts, you, she believes that I played better than I usually do. It's quite a strange thing to say to yeah. a professional footballer. Uh, especially in my position as a goalkeeper, having all out of these three games, winning two, and the other one uh, drawing, uh, being man of the match, it just all made absolutely no sense. But I did have to go through that really horrendous time there in, 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 in Singapore. However, um, yeah, I'm a positive person. I think I learned a lot in there how things not should be. And, and in the end of the day, I was clean. I was clean by FIFA. I, I played my, my, my trade and for many, many years in many, many different countries. And it was one of these lessons of life which you don't really want to learn. But uh, if you look, looking back, I think it also made me into a better person. I think I understood what life is really about. And of course, football is important, but football is not everything. So the values of life, the values of family, the values of honesty, I, I learned a lot there. And for me, it was also a reason why I founded my own charity, my own foundation, where we do a lot of helping children all over the world. So all of that, I think, uh, taking into account, uh, it, it just uh, was a, a thing what happened to me, uh, which obviously was not pleasant. 
But, uh, well, it turned all to the best. And then I, I did want to go even further back, because I know that this is a bit of a strange question, uh, but I did find myself wondering as I was reading about you and hearing about some of your stories, I was wondering what you were like as a kid, because I have to believe that you were at least a little bit difficult, given that you, I think by your own admission, are a bit headstrong. You want to go out and have different experiences. You want to try different stuff. I'm wondering if that led to you doing some dangerous stuff as a kid or if you were always uh, pretty well behaved. No, I think I was actually a very good child in the in the young age uh, because for me the only thing I wanted to do was become a professional footballer. So I was so much focused on that that I didn't really get into any trouble. So for me, like for example, smoking, drinking, uh, anything what 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 the youngsters are trying at least once, I was not interested at all. So for me, it was the only thing that counted in a very young age was I want to become a professional footballer, and I pulled that through up to the teenage. Uh, yeah, so I think I was quite easy to handle when it came to the age of 15 and 16 and I, I started to represent Germany at youth level and probably a slight, uh, yeah, I would call it arrogance came uh, through as well, which was not good. And then mix maybe then probably from the age of 16 to 18 made me a bit more difficult than I was as a child. More still to come from my conversation with Mr. Lutz van Steel, the man, the myth, the legend, again, to give him his proper title. But first, I wanted to let you know that today's episode of The Total Soccer Show is brought to you in part by 4hims.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. And the hair loss aspect of hims is why we're not letting Lutz uh, do the copy read here because he's got that lovely head of hair. He's got the long hair. It's really nice. But if you are worried about your hair, it's worth noting that 66% of men start to lose their hair by the age of 35. And once you've noticed thinning hair, it can be too late. Uh, So instead of turning to very strange solutions that probably aren't going to work and therefore aren't solutions like snake oil and gas station counter supplements, instead, you can use HIMSS products that are backed by science. Science, always your friend, uh, unless it turns you into some sort of superhero. Even then, it's your friend because you got superpowers. All you have to do is answer a few quick questions a doctor will review and if they determine it's right for you uh, they will prescribe your medication to treat hair loss it is shipped directly to your door and it's worth noting for sure uh, that these solutions are coming from licensed physicians and they are FDA approved products that will help you treat that hair loss right now our listeners can get started with their first month for free go to 4hims.com slash total soccer that's 4hims.com slash total soccer Prescription requires an online consultation with a physician who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Offer valid only if prescribed. Three-month minimum subscription. Additional restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Whew, got it all in there. Remember, that's 4hims.com slash totalsoccer. Thank you very much to 4hims for sponsoring this episode. Now back to Lutz. Uh, so now uh, with Fortuna Dusseldorf, uh, uh, prior to that, you were with Hoffenheim. You're credited with uh, having discovered Firmino, Joe Linton, uh, many other players. And I read in a Forbes article with you, uh, you mentioned how you have a slightly different style when it comes to player identification. Uh, you said you pay attention to, obviously, they're on the field, uh, like like play, obviously. You pay attention to their training. But then you also look at their off-field interactions uh, their pers- with their personal surroundings, how they behave in the hotel, how they behave with teammates. Um, if you now were going back and looking at yourself then... Like, is Young Lutz a player that you would sign based on some of those criteria? Or would you maybe, are there areas that you think you would be uh, hesitant to sign yourself? No, I think uh, when it came to, to professionalism and really live for football, I, I was always uh, uh, like uh, spot on. So if somebody would see me at a training session or somebody would see me at a hotel, um, I would always be um, very, like probably the first to come, the last to go. So, um uh, there, I, I think I was really 
when it comes to being on the field and around the training sessions and, and, and around the team, I was always uh, behaving extremely well and extremely professional. So I think uh, I would probably would make it in my own scouting philosophy. All right. So can we talk a little bit about maybe, that? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not, but probably as a goalkeeper, I wouldn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to talk about that scouting philosophy for a moment, uh, or maybe it's better to say your overall approach to scouting. How do you go about identifying players you think would fit well for the club? What's the sort of methodology that you employ? Yeah, I mean, the starting point is always what actually are we as the team I'm working for, what we, what we are looking for. I mean, this is the most important thing. Uh, I'm mostly always responsible um, as a head of scouting for the for the professional team, so when it came to the youth scouting, I was not really uh, well. I was involved, but not really that much. So that is always we, we kind of like created a profile. What kind of player do we want, or what kind of positions do we need? And that was always the starting point. And then for me, um, then it depends on also well, where do we start? You know, um, like I would say in an easy way. I believe that you find lots of talented footballers all over the world, but do these talented footballers really fit into your style of play, into your kind of uh, surrounding of the club? So this is always something where I really looked very deeply. And um, for me, it was never important the culture or the country where the player comes from. But I needed, when I saw him play, I was always very visual. I needed to see him in our style of play. If I closed my eyes and I saw him playing with a Hoffenheim shirt, and I could see him exactly doing that, what our players, what our philosophy was, that was a good starting point. But then, obviously, just watching a player at one game or two games, I think it doesn't do justice to any football player in the world because you can think that can so many things have happened in this week, you don't know the mother can be sick, uh, the girlfriend can be pregnant, uh, the player just doesn't feel well. Things you will never find out. So I believe it needs to be a long-term assessment and it also needs just not to be my own eyes. It needs to be at least, I would say, four eyes or six eyes looking at the same player to get different impressions, different, um, yeah, kind of like uh, uh, reports about the player. And when then we realize that this is a person, this is a player really interested at and for me that the background check is something where I was one of the, the first guys I think who started that to really look not just into well how does he the, the basic things how does he behave off the field how wanted to go who are his friends what kind of family background does he come from how was he in school how does he behave at a training session how does he behave in the hotel uh, is he like a loner? Is he somebody who walks around only with earphones? Is he like going forward? Is he like a team player? Uh, that was always very important for me. But then I always uh, spoke all those people in the family. But then I always tried to get through my network people who are very independent from this country who know this player to get a full kind of impression about that person next to me or on the other side of the table. And that's how we usually head in Hoffenheim big success about uh, uh, not just looking at the, the skills as a footballer, but also knowing what kind of personality or in what the personality could develop in future. That is what you have to look at. And, and with that sort of methodology, are there aspects of the personality? Like, are there disqualifying things for you that if you find out about a player that you'll just say like, no, that's not the philosophy we want? Or is it more just about understanding who the player is as a person to then understand if that person would fit in with what you're trying to do? 
Well, I believe I need to I need to figure out uh, from all that Jack Ruby did if he does fit in in that kind of style and that surrounding. He has to live in and he has to play in. This is this is I think I think the main cause. Of course, uh, there is certain things which 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 would completely disqualify a player from from signing uh, for a club. For me, I, I I'll give you an example. Uh, I have nothing against against Iasons at all, but I do have a problem is uh, if a player. Is always walking around, like in the hotel, uh, even at lunch, uh, at in the bus. And there is only always singing songs and music, and there is no communication with his teammates at all. I mean, it's, every player needs his music. Every player needs to come down. That's something very understanding. So I also have earphones. But if I see guys only having their earphones on and completely cut themselves out from from communicating with others and living kind of like in their own bubble. And I think this is not a, a, a player where I think will, will be successful in a, in a surrounding like top level professional football in Europe. And and you did like some of what you've talked about, I think was on display with the loan signing of Zach Steffen. Uh, I think in, in reading about your sort of approach to bringing him in, you said you'd watched him when he was with Freiburg, you sort of identified some, some, some vulnerabilities or some issues there, but then you kind of tracked him through going back to the United States. Uh, you, I think at the end flew his sister over because with Freiburg, there were homesickness issues. Like, is that all sort of standard protocol when it comes to the players you're signing? Are you keeping tabs on everybody for like months, years at a time? Well, we're definitely uh, trying to keep as many many tags as possible on. Uh, that's normal. But uh, for example, I can give you the exact story about Zach Stafford. I think that also interesting yeah, for the American market. I mean, uh, when uh, when he was playing in the, the youth national team uh, for the US boys, uh, I, I saw him there in, in, in the World Cup in New Zealand, I think it was. And I I really liked the kid. Uh, we were talking about him in Hoffenheim, but in that age group, we had some quite good keepers. So we were like a bit reluctant and thinking. And then the next thing I heard that that Freiburg took him in. So Freiburg played in the same uh, um, yeah regional league with our second team. So Freiburg two and Hoffenheim two play in the same league. So I saw him playing a few times there. The goalkeeper coach of Freiburg was a good friend of mine, so we were talking about him as well. And when I heard that he was homesick, he went back. I thought, like, well, what a, what a, what a big talent he basically was. But no, it just didn't work out. You know, I, I felt actually sorry for Freiburg, but also sorry for the player that things didn't work out. And I lost a little bit of track, but uh, I do watch some MLS, and, uh, and, and I saw the development he had in the MLS becoming really outstanding. Also, the way he, he developed, I would call it, into a very modern goalkeeper. I like his style of play. Both feet very good. He's physically strong. He has uh, an unbelievable physique. You know, he actually he brings everything into the goalkeeper's game. What it means to become a top-class goalkeeper. And uh, yeah, and then I was not. I was a little bit surprised, but not really shocked that I heard that Man City is going directly for him because uh, I I did my uh, internship at, at Barcelona at, at Pep Guardiola, and I know what kind of goalkeeper he likes. He likes an intelligent goalkeeper, which is involved, and, and, and he kind of ticked lots of the boxes of that game that Guardiola likes. So when Zach uh, was signed from Man City, coincidentally, I was over there with Zach and, and Chiki, uh, with, with, with Guardiola and, and Chiki, the sporting director, uh, about talking about another player for a loan, and then Zach Steffen came up, and I said, like, well, I mean, if you guys consider loaning him out, then it would be definitely 
something for us. Uh, and when they showed interest in that, I, I made my way to the States. I, I did speak to Greg Berhalter about him. I spoke to a few other people about him. I met his parents. I met his sister. And then we created a plan to make sure he's not getting homesick again. We bring the sister who lives with him who gives him kind of like that family feeling that, that he, when he comes home, he sees something, something, something he knows, uh, like, like a very close person to him. And it worked out amazingly in the first part of the season because he was our, our top player. He did just really brilliant. And then he got problems with his knee with the patella and unfortunately now he's still injured. So he couldn't really have any games in the second part of the season, which is a, a real shame. But uh, yeah, I still believe he can uh, fulfill, you know, the, the legacy of great American goalkeepers. And he had a, a top world-class goalkeeper with Tim Howard. I think uh, Zach has, has very good, uh, a very good, I would call it, starting position to go into that footsteps because he brings everything. I would even say he's, with his feet. He's even better than, than Tim Howard was, but Tim Howard obviously was uh, in other parts of his game unbelievable. So I really believe that uh, if he makes now the next right step, will it be Man City or will he go another loan deal? We will see if he stays healthy. I think he can uh, really uh, uh, become a part of the American soccer history books. So you have Zach Steffen, you have Alfredo Morales, you had James Sands there for a trial, or at least for some training. Um, you did say earlier that you don't target specific countries, you aren't going out trying to find, say, American players or Brazilian players, but there have been at least a few Americans connected to Fortuna, as I just mentioned. Uh, is that just a coincidence, or is there something to be said for the American market and what American players can maybe bring to the table? No, I believe the American market is definitely very interesting for Germany, as you see, McKinney uh, doing great, well, not his club at the moment, but he's doing great. Uh, so he's another player which is really uh, has a big future here in European football and many others as well. So I think uh, um, having uh, still the taps on, on track was something something very normal and it worked out well despite the injury. Um, Morales was really there when I came and Morales is... Um, you know, while well, he plays for the American national team, but he's born in Berlin, he grew up in Germany, so he's like uh, like pretty much uh, a German is an American passport, I would say. Um, but uh, James Sands was, for me, also a very interesting prospect because uh, I think I think he really he really did a great job and, uh, and, and he has a big talent, so uh, I think he will make his way into Europe pretty soon. Uh, so having a look at him uh, was interesting. Unfortunately, he also got a little muscle poor uh, because I think the intensity of, of the Bundesliga uh, in, in the off season for an MLS player was 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 not was not uh, that easy to handle. But definitely, he, he showed himself and he did a good job. So for me, wherever I will work, uh, the US market is always very interesting. Also because of the culture, because of the language. You know, it's uh, it's 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 not a uh, not a big uh, thing to to get an American player adjusted in the life into the into lifestyle over here. You said earlier, like you you talk with Greg Berhalter about Zach Steffen. Has there ever been a time when you're scouting a player, when you're looking into a player, that the coach has said, like, yeah, you don't want to sign this guy, or like he's not going to fit with what you want? And and what do you do in that moment if it has uh, occurred? Of course, it's happened plenty of times that you're getting. Uh, like some some bad uh, feedback from certain people, I think that also that's something you need to you need to check through yourself. And then it's my job to to make the call to make the decision. 
if I'm 100% convinced about a player, or I see myself with my own eyes on the field and off the field, and I get people who say, no, that won't work, then I, I do trust my own judgment uh, more than others. Obviously, if uh, 25 people telling you that the guy's a freak, then <laughs> probably stay away from it. We will get back to Lutz discussing his future at Fortuna and how he goes about setting up a scouting network in just a moment. But first, today's episode is sponsored in part by Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that are super consumable and easy to take on the go. These specially formulated CBD products with vitamins can help in all sorts of ways. Uh, but I did first want to try to figure out what CBD means because it occurs to me I've never looked it up. Uh, Wikipedia informs me that uh, it stands for uh, cannabidiol. We all that, right? Is a phytocannabinoid Sure. Discovered in 1940, it is one of the 113 identified cannabinoids in cannabis plants and accounts for up to 40% of the plant's extract. But the simpler way to explain that is that it's a legal product that helps with anxiety, sleeplessness, and depression. As Daryl has said, it helps him with focus when he's doing research for the show, and it helps me feel slightly better about the current world, so that's also a plus. Sunday Scaries has become a leading CBD brand for millennials. Last year, Sunday Scaries CBD gummies and CBD oil won top accolades from Forbes, Men's Health, Allure, and Best Product. So you can hit up their website and see what products appeal the most. And then you can get 25% off your first order with the code soccer at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com and enter the code soccer where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. You can find out what product might be best for you. Still thinking about that bath bomb uh, by going to sundayscaries.com and use code soccer uh, for 25% off. Thank you very much to Sunday Scaries for sponsoring today's episode. Now back to Lutz. I'd like to stay on Fortuna for a moment uh, and your work there, because there were reports earlier in the year that you were going to be leaving. I'm not entirely certain uh, what the situation is now. Can you talk a bit about where you are with Fortuna and maybe what the future may hold? Yeah, I can uh, quickly explain that to you. I mean, I signed you uh, a three-year contract, and it was very successful in the first season. And also this season, I think I saw us exactly there where we where we. Uh, have to be where we belong. So we are a team which will always fight relegation simply because we don't have the finances to build a proper team. So we have to load lots of players. We have to be creative. It's not easy. And I think we need to go that way for at least two, three years to establish ourselves in the league. But it's definitely a challenge. It's not easy if you simply don't have the same financial um, possibilities or options like all the other clubs, except, for example, Paderborn, which has even less than we have, but they also rock bottom. So, yes. um, yeah, so I decided uh, actually in the winter that I want to, um, out of personal reasons, I want to I want to leave the club and uh, I wanted to leave the club by the end of the season, so finish the season staying in the league, uh, having another year of, of success and then move on. And then uh, a crisis happened, which uh, the corona, COVID-19 crisis really put everything on hold here in Germany as well for a long time. And when I uh, made my uh, my contract termination for the 31st of May, it would have been more than enough to finish the league and even finish the playoffs. But uh, nobody knew. And then the corona came and corona um, slowed everything down. So having a, a setup of a club like Fortuna Düsseldorf, where we are like one of the last community clubs actually in the German Bundesliga, it was just very difficult or nearly impossible to change uh, that that decision again that I'm leaving on the 31st of May. So that means we have five more games to go. And uh, I'm since yesterday, I'm, I'm a free man, <laughs> so to say. 
that obviously I'm still very close to the players, very close to the coaches. I'm still there with my heart and with my head. We still will be in contact. And I wish that uh, by the end of the of June, we will have a, a, all together a celebration for staying in the Bundesliga. And then looking ahead, uh, I know uh, I'm a Man United fan. I know they need a sporting director. Uh, a- any chance we see you in England with Manchester United? Can you make that happen, please? Well, I don't think that Man United is an option right now. Uh, but I do have, uh, once I, it was communicated in, in, in February that I, I decided to leave by the end of the season. And after that news uh, came out, uh, actually within like four or five days, I got uh, quite a few people calling me up and, uh, and asking what my plans. And there was also some clubs uh, from quite interesting uh, uh, countries like, uh, like Turkey, like England, like Spain, but also from the U.S. And... Um, yeah, I'm still I'm still considering. I haven't made the final decision yet, but uh, I'm I'm quite close to 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 come up with a with a final decision. I think uh, now in the course of the next next days or weeks, and then uh, we will see where the wind will blow me. Well, if it were to blow you to Major League Soccer, what would be the appeal for you? Because we've seen some European coaches come in and have success or relative success, but then there's always the stories of folks like Rude Hullett, who maybe came in not understanding the structures of MLS and the kind of intricacies and peculiarities, is how I'll phrase it, of Major League Soccer. Is that that, uh, an exciting uh, possibility for you of figuring out how this kind of strange league works and what sort of loopholes and areas there are that you might be able to... uh, uh, figure out? Well, I mean, for me, uh, one thing about uh, the major league soccer is that uh, if I if I look into it, for me, I see I see the the, the prospect of the of the future, and I think uh, with the World Cup uh, coming up uh, in not, not such a long time away, um, the MLS uh, will just follow that what they did very well in recent years. They got bigger, they got better. You see how many European top clubs looking now at U.S. players. So I think the development of the league was was fantastic. I still believe there is lots of good things uh, when you're looking a bit into the future, which can be done, like uh, like the, for example, uh, like a development system, uh, developing like an academy which makes the difference. I think there is there is still lots of uh, I would call it open spaces for doing something uh, good, doing something different and, 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 and improve certain areas. So that's uh, always something which, which I did learn in my time in Hoffenheim, which was a club which was built basically from scratch. I was there for eight years, was there nearly all the time uh, growing up as a club. I mean, I came when we were already in the Bundesliga, but then having literally everything, winning the other 19 German championships, nobody ever thought that possible. Uh, nearly getting relegated, staying in the league, and then going to the Euro League, going to the Champions League. So I think, uh, as you see, there was everything there. What as, as a kind of like a, a new club, a club which 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 wants to develop their own talent, happened there with me in Hoffenheim, and that's uh, yeah, that's something where I say, uh, I mean, the the market, the the, the market MLS or the, or the or the development of the MLS in the future, I see that it will definitely that, that soccer will become more and more popular in the future. The MLS offer that you got, uh, did that happen to be from a club that you've previously played for? <laughs> no, no, it didn't. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, obviously, that, uh, that, uh, you're talking about the ranking Whitecaps, of course. Uh, this is a club I still follow a lot. I still have lots of friends there in the, in the city. And 
I you know I, I I do I do watch some Whitecap games uh, once in a while. Uh, I still have a, a good relationship there to some of the fan clubs, and and it's a club which always will be really a part of my history. Also will be a part of my heart because I had a I had a, a very uh, special time there, and, and I really enjoy it. And the people there. So when you do uh, take your next job, it stands to reason you'll be doing something uh, similar to what you were doing at Fortuna. Is there like, do you have a blueprint, like your own blueprint that you sort of developed? I know uh, I, I, I read that you basically you tried to like not copy anybody else. You don't really want to take like whole cloth what someone else is doing and try to make it for yourself. But I'm guessing you've taken little bits and pieces. I know you got the relationship with Freddie Bobich. I'm wondering if you have sort of like like a a rough plan, regardless of where you go, of like this is how I want to operate. This is what I want us to be doing. This is how I want us to play these are the types of players I want to bring in? Or is it very much just a case-by-case basis? You go in and evaluate what that club needs and then develop your philosophy from there. No, I think uh, you picked it up uh, right. I mean, I have a clear a clear idea how I want to, how I want to play football. Uh, I think uh, my uh, influence was very much of my, of my playing career, which I was literally everywhere in the world. And I think... Uh, this uh, combining all kinds of different football culture is always a very important way walking through life because it's not just football, it's, a, it's an attitude about also your private life and that's what you want to stand for. So I think diversity is something which is really, really important also in professional football. So I do have a clear idea, uh, but obviously, and I have to say that, my playing idea, my playing style, uh, the philosophy is uh, much based on the on the, on the, on the most important fact of the of the Hoffenheim philosophy because it just proved that everything is possible to, with a small town and actually uh, a collection of little villages. You can go into European Champions League with a clear plan, with a, a, a clear, I would call it, structure, um, with uh, focusing on your homegrown talent, really not being scared to, 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 to give your own players, your own academy players, Lots of trust and lots of belief, and uh, then obviously with a very defined, very detailed, and very good scouting system. I think this is my 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 just in a few words. I mean, I could give you like a <laughs> five-hour lecture probably how I like to play football, but that's just the the major things just to, to put it in a few words. So yeah, this is. Uh, I think you always have to look outside the box. You need to be open-minded and. Um, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm German. She, you know, my accent, <laughs> and uh, and also by my passport. But I'm when it comes to my, my attitude of life and to the way I see football. I think in Germany, lots of things in soccer they they went the right way, but nothing is perfect, and you can pick up so many more interesting and important aspects from other sports, but also from other footballing cultures. And I think to walk through the the life with an open mind. To always update, to always improve, to always be on the lookout for new things, for better things, to optimize, to improve, to develop. I think that is the way I, I look at it. And uh, yeah, let's see what's happening. I wanted to ask about like the idea of the scouting network for a moment because I I, you know, I like soccer a lot, but I have no background when it comes to how you operate a club, the managing day-to-day of a club, and especially the managing of an, an extensive scouting network. How exactly does that work? Like, Are you hiring 50 people and sending them out? Do you just have sort of people who report back to you on like a freelance basis? What is the kind of normal operation for you when it comes to having a fairly elaborate and wide-reaching scouting network? 
Now that usually what you mentioned is lots of employees like uh, full-time or, or part-time all over the world. This is something for the big boys like Man City, like Manchester United, you know, like for that kind of clubs, they will do that. When I look at the way we discovered in recent years or how I uh, looked at it, it was uh, actually much simpler and much easier than that because I think uh, you will always, you won't be able to cover everything. So I think uh, having a network of people which are already in these countries, knowing them from before as a player, as a, as a, I mean, I did lots of coaching education, for example, for FIFA before as, a, as an instructor. So I have literally in every country where professional football is played, I have at least three to five people sitting where I have a very good, trustful relationship. And these people I'm always in touch with. I, I really look after these relationships. And if there is a young boy popping out of an under-15, under-16 system, doesn't matter if it's in South America, in Central America, or if it's in, uh, in Brazil, uh, or even in Africa, I usually get a call and say, there is somebody soon approaching the market. And this is something, if you're having that relationship to get the right advice and the right tips from people who are in this country, and they're not working for you, they're not on your payroll, because then if you have everybody on your payroll, then people try very hard to to, to, to kind of like place their players in that system. So I think it has to do, you need to have people with, you don't have any kind of anything to gain out of that. Simply, they just have to give you, provide you with the right information. And that is something where you can find players nobody has yet on the clock and then uh, things can work out quite well. So then obviously, after having that one, then you need your five, six, seven scouts internationally and locally which are traveling, which are doing lots of video scouting, which are also going to the tournaments. That's normal. Then it becomes like in any other club. But I think to find players out of nowhere is impossible if you don't get the right people who tell you where to find them and when to find them. How do you go about finding those right people? Is it a matter of philosophy when you sit down? Is it like if they have their earbuds in when you sit down with them, do you know right away you're not the person I want because you have earbuds in and you're not talking to people? No, I'll give you an example. I mean, for example, if I do coaching education in Brazil and I have like, uh, like an A license and there is like 30, uh, I would call it upcoming coaches, uh, which will work at professional level in the future. And you do have obviously you realize pretty quick what kind of people are in that course, what kind of people are the ones who are very much interested and very much already developed from their own mind uh, onto that kind of uh, market to see. You You actually, me coming from scouting, feeling if another player or, or, or coach or a student of mine talks about football, you kind of like can feel in what direction he's thinking. And if you then have a good relationship, you know, friendship sometimes with these guys, and a, a, a relationship of trust, they will always call 0800 Lutz first, <laughs> what they calling somebody else. <laughs> is, is that a phone number you've set up, 0800 Lutz? Because if so, I, I'm very excited <laughs> no, to have no, that no, in my phone. Don't, don't try, don't try to <laughs> ring it. You're probably on the, on the other end of the line and you're somebody you don't want to speak to. 
No, uh, it's, it's, it's not. It's just a joke. Of course. Um, uh, we, we are going to have Lutz on again, uh, I, I hope, uh, fairly regularly. So I don't want to take up too much of, more of your time. But really quickly, I did want to ask, uh, you, you're, you, as I said, are doing uh, some commentary here in the U.S. It's on Fox. Uh, how has that been going for you? And what games do you have coming up? Yeah, really, uh, you know, when I do the, my commentary uh, for the DFL, on the world seed on the international seed which also you have in the States uh, I really enjoy it um, um, and I get lots of uh, messages on Instagram or Twitter on Facebook that uh, yeah I think uh, <laughs> the American uh, football fans or soccer fans they also they, they always very really, um, joyful and, and, and coming back to me uh, let me know if they liked it or sometimes what they didn't like which is always interesting to hear so yeah, uh, that is something which I obviously still uh, want to keep up because that's another way of uh, of scouting, another way of getting information, another way of looking at things. If you turn the tables around, uh, so I always uh, had a, like a very uh, you know I let yeah also have an influence of working for the media to to look at things sometimes in a different way, which helped me a lot as well. In uh, especially when you criticize or when you uh, make a assessment about somebody, how other people will assess you and make assessment about you to actually uh, be able to understand that. So that kind of role was quite interesting for me as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, I still do some media work, uh, but uh, for me now it's important to, to, to come down for a few days. Uh, still want to stay with Fortuna Düsseldorf in the league. That's the most important part right now that they will survive. It's really something I worked a lot on in recent years, and then also in the next few days or weeks, uh, make a decision where my next, uh, um, yeah, my next club will be based. Excellent. Well, we look forward to hearing about that. We look forward to hearing you this weekend. But Lutzvanachil, thank you very much for taking all the time to talk to me uh, in your car, which you did pull over and park in order to have this conversation, which I think is both responsible and very kind of you. You're more than welcome.